Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Hi, nice to have you here. I've been in a, um, in a pensive mood lately, and... Um, been hard to speak very much, um, but I keep having to speak in class and I keep having to speak in other pre-organized things. So I thought I would maybe bring up uh, something that happened yesterday. I had the opportunity, and it's always a great honor, to speak to the Ishta teachers who have taken our 200 and our 300 hour trainings or for those who have been around as long as me our 500 hour trainings that was kind of all one thing and the uh the day that it occurred was martin luther king day and so i started the talk with a clip of the speech i had a dream and then I spoke a bit about a editorial that I had read by Charles Blow in the New York Times. And the editorial was really making a distinction um, between unity and kind of surrender of one's rights or one's... Um, things we're working for. Um, of course, there's been a great deal of uh, hypocritical call for unity after the storming of the Capitol building and the subsequent impeachment. At the impeachment hearing, there were ridiculous calls that doing impeachment would uh, stop our intention of creating unity, in other words, the, to, to put the kibosh on Joe Biden's um, desire to bring us all together again. And of course, that's hypocritical because we could have just allowed for the election, certified the results, and taken it from there all united again. But instead, we had to have this insurrection whatever your politics are, the, um, and I know many of you aren't even in the U.S., so it's um, just sort of an, an element of interest. But when we were um, discussing all of this, it something became clear to me um, that I think is relevant in a broader way, and that is that we are always living in our own sort of assumption. We're living according to what we've experienced and we don't necessarily have a clue what anyone else is experiencing. Those of us who've you know, had a very similar upbringing, you know, maybe we have some closer idea of what's going on and, um, 
you know, certainly that's what's going on in the crisis in the U.S. right now. There are, there are people who feel like their way of life is being threatened, um, that they grew up a certain way and that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I think that you know, the application of this can be even on a kind of a micro level that sometimes we are very judgmental about the people that are around us, the people who maybe are significant in our lives. Um, and even with people who are, you know, relatively similar to us or have had a similar upbringing or grew up in a similar milieu, it it's very likely that the way they feel about things, the way they're experiencing things is not the same as the way that you're experiencing things. And so to, to take as an assumption that we are all, you know, supposed to be the same way or that I would know how you should feel or how you should act or how you should react. Um, that's a tremendous assumption. So the alternative and where it gets into perhaps a little bit more of a question of yoga and how does this apply to our yoga practice could be that, you know, as we are with someone else, whether it's, you know, in a political situation or in a personal situation, it's very um, likely that there will be times when we don't like what other people are doing or another person is doing, that the situation will be uncomfortable for us or it will be not what I would have done. And when that occurs, I'd love to propose that rather than reacting, rather than even, you know, doing what we think is smart, putting our analyst hat on, helping to solve their problem and to, um, you know, impose our best intentions on someone else, that it might be worth thinking about pausing, allowing, letting ourselves accept that what just happened, what that other person is doing, is based on their best idea of what's right, what's right for them, what's true for them. And once we can start from there, like to take that and accept it as kind of a given, right? then there's the possibility that we could interact with that other person to have a kind of respect for that other person. And suddenly we're in a conversation more than a hierarchical uh, kind of relationship, right? We're 
taking them as valid, as just like me, as as good as me, as even knowledgeable as me about their own life. So um, I think coming to any kind of real appreciation of that or a real um, ability to do that with any kind of consistency is the kind of practice that you might give yourself um, 10 years to even begin to get good at and a lifetime at mastering. But perhaps for right now, we could just try to do it even a little bit, like try to remember once in a while. Try to remember all the time, but it's okay if you only remember, only manage to remember once in a while, to allow for the uncomfortable feeling that I'm not gonna try to make this person understand what I think is best, or I'm not gonna try to teach this person something right now, but rather I'm going to allow myself to be in the discomfort and perhaps learn something from this person, right? Perhaps to drop out of my own bias and allow this to just be what it is and go from there. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to suddenly make a fascist sound like a reasonable person, but underneath the label of the fascist, there's probably a person who's following some kind of rationale. I'm not saying if you follow their rationale, you're going to agree with it, but it makes them into a bit more of a whole person. And from that place, maybe there's a place we can have a conversation. I got to watch something really fascinating this summer during the Black Lives Matter marches. I'm living in a small town and the person whose house I'm living in, a very, very dear friend of ours, is pretty plugged into politics here. And I got to witness someone who totally did not get the Black Lives Matter point of view at all. And my friend was very, very much in support of Black Lives Matter, though she's also a white person. But she was, she is an activist and went and spoke with her friend who didn't get it at all. And it was especially important because this person who didn't get it at all is also in charge of the police force in this town. So I got to witness this sort of conversation between two people who knew each other well, like they, you know, maybe not quite friend friends, but serious acquaintances. And I got to watch the conversation have an effect, you know, to 
see that this person has major responsibilities in terms of uh, what, how to how to work with the police in terms of the uh, the protest when the protests had you know more disruptive people joining the uh, the crowd, etc. But I got to watch her modulate her response based on what my friend was talking with her about. So to me, that was a beautiful example of how conversation can help actually move issues, can actually change hearts and minds. Right now we're in this place in our bigger conversation that is so polarized, it's mind-boggling. And it's going to take serious, you know, marriage counseling. Um, but most of us don't have to solve the whole country's problems. Most of us are working in much more local circumstances, like my friend and the head of the police here. She's not just the head of the police, but that's in her purview. And so I would propose that at whatever level you're comfortable working, you know, including your own personal relationships in your family, um, which is where I find myself doing a lot of work. Can you try to stay a little bit more aware so that you can take a pause and allow that other person to have his or her own experience, his or her own perspective, and to not give up, which is tamasic, or not to make them take your point of view, which is rajasic, but to stay in the balance place between those two, to take the sattvic position and still act, but also receive, right? To do both parts of communication. And I'd love to know if you do get a chance to try that a little, how did it work out? You can write me at peterspodcast108 at gmail.com and let me know. I'd be, I'd be curious to know. I, I'd be curious to share that too with other folks if it's appropriate. Maybe you can say in your note if you would rather I didn't share it. So um, I think I'm going to stop there for now. When I was telling... Uh, a dear friend of mine who's um, a bit of a coach, not to me specifically, but to lots of people. I was saying I'm, I'm having a little trouble, you know, coming up with normal length podcasts, and I'm, I haven't been that interested in having sort of interviewish things very often. Um, she said, why don't you just say what you want to say when you want to say it, and just let that be enough. So um, I appreciate everyone's um, flexibility in terms of listening as I'm flexible with myself in terms of posting. 
Tomorrow is the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's a monumental moment. It's a historic moment. And I wish you all, all of you in America, a happy new president day <laughs> and a uh, happy first woman of color vice president day. And those of you around the world, I hope that um, America's role in the world will become much more balanced and that we will become a community, a global community, again, that can start to work on the major challenges of our time so that what we do in our yoga practice can help us decide what we should be doing in our world and that those two things can bring our world to a place of balance and equality. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Namaste. That's today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening to Peter's podcast. I hope that you find real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living through your practice. Please support me on Patreon, rate the podcast, and I'll see you next week. Namaste. Namaste.